Adam, we're back. Alex. Uh, today, I'm going to be the host of the two-on-one podcast. Adam is feeling a little under the weather. Yeah. So you get to hear me a whole lot more today. Ooh. So you know how we start the show? I think I do. Is it? Is it the power hour? It is the power hour. Sponsored oh by uh, Adam's dog. Oh, God. That's what we decided last that's what we decided last episode. You know what's really funny? Just quickly, um, my uh, since I was in Montreal, my dog was here, and um, when I first left, and this morning I got my brother to send me a picture of my dog because I missed her so much. Yeah, she, well, <laughs> she's dog. she's on the Power Hour. She's sponsoring the Power Hour. I love it. Okay, so I guess we should get started. We'll get. Uh, We'll get the non-hockey stuff out of the way first. Conor McGregor is back in the UFC, hasn't uh, hasn't fought in the UFC in over a year, uh, beat Donald Cowboy Cerrone at UFC 246 last night in 40 seconds. He I wasn't is... shocked. Pardon? I wasn't, I wasn't that shocked. Okay, so I... I just started getting into uh, UFC a little bit thanks to uh, Joe Rogan, just listening to all the – he does like fight companion type things. Um, So I just kind of started getting into it. But yeah, that was – it was fast. Like he got him and it was kind of just over. But it was different. Like I don't know how to describe it other than like he was different. McGregor was different with his personality leading up to the fight. You know, he's usually he's, he's the definition of lippy. You know, you know how you always talk about, uh, players being lippy. Mm-hmm. He's very lippy, but leading up to the fight, he wasn't so lippy. So I thought we were going to see a different side of him, but no, he's the first fighter to get knockouts in three different divisions. Weight class, sorry, weight classes. He's, He's also just, the first guy to tap in every single one of them. Is he? Yeah. I didn't know that, but well, either way, congratulations to Conor McGregor. Mm-hmm. I I don't know who his next fight's going to be against, but I expect it to be a good one. Same. He's he's fun. Did you so, see Mayweather? I did not see Mayweather. He put a thing of uh, Connor him too. It was really funny. Oh, good, good, good. I'd rather see Connor in the UFC than in boxing, but well, yeah, that's a whole separate discussion. Now let's get back to hockey. That's mm-hmm. what people are here to listen for. They want to hear us talk about hockey. Now, last uh, episode we talked about Gerard Gallant getting fired as Vegas uh, Vegas head coach and. Friedman reminded us maybe about an hour after the firing. Friedman sent out a tweet talking about Gallant being the head coach for the Pacific Division at the All-Star Game. And 
what was going to happen. So it was officially announced that Rick Tockett was going to replace Gallant as head coach. That's not fun. That's just not fun. Mm-hmm. I know both of us would have loved to see Gallant behind the bench at the Pacific at the All-Star game because that would have just been complete craziness. The Pacific team is just pure madness, to be honest, with the whole Kachuk stuff. Uh, did you see Gerard Gallant's comments? I saw some of them. I know he said he was disappointed and surprised by the firing. Did you see what he said about the All-Star game? No. What did he say? He said, quote, I talked to the NHL about it, and they sort of left it up to me, but I didn't really feel comfortable going, said Gallant. I just said I'd sooner pass, uh, end quote. So he had the... uh, That's funny that he had the option to go. It would have been... Very interesting to see what would have happened. I mean, I don't think players-wise it would have been that big a deal, I think. But media-wise, uh, leading up to the weekend, uh, this game on Saturday would have just been crazy. Mm. Just knowing that you have an unemployed coach as a, as a head coach of an all-star team. Now... Ray Shiro, we talked about him last week too. Big oh, yeah. part of our big part of our firing special. <laughs> There's been a lot coming out about Ray Shiro um, from Friedman, from the from uh, Greg Wyshynski, etc. All those guys talking about essentially it's Ray Shiro versus the analysts. Uh, we know that Ray Shiro likes to keep a tight circle with his mm-hmm. with his group of people. And we know that the analyst group that was hired, Tyler Dello, and I'm not I don't remember the other one um, off the top of my head, was the job posting actually said to report to the owners. So there was a whole lot of controversy uh, right after he was fired basically saying that the analysts kind of forced him out because there was a difference of opinion. What do you think about that? Uh, you know what? The moment um, that I saw the first thing of they report directly to the owners, I thought, oh, dear. And I think I re-listened to the 31 and Thoughts, uh, the newest episode of 31 Thoughts of American Friedman today. And um, it, it's just, uh, it's a red flag immediately, not only that you report straight to the owners, but it, it shows that those owners are very, very, I think um, Friedman said that they're very in tune with the team, they're very involved. And in other sports, that's fine, but in, in hockey, it's a big, big red flag. So if I'm Shiro, like, I would kind of see it coming, to be honest with you. Maybe that that's a, you know pushed him to make some of those bigger moves in the summer. Maybe he felt his job was in danger. I know that there were talks of the extension, of course, and also Freeman brought it out, but it's just, um, it's very odd to me. I've never heard of this direct over the head thing before of you. No, I've never really seen that at all. Now, since we're talking about analytics, let's get to a team that seems to, again, not like to use analytics. Um, the Edmonton Oilers... <laughs> have it's not official yet but according to mark specter uh friedman brought it up on headlines 
they're reportedly ready to sign Zach Cassian to a four-year deal at an AAV of three point two five to three point five million dollars. I just want to let that sink in for a minute. Yeah, it's, it's not as bad as we thought. No, I mean, I said, he, when is he going to get the Koskinen deal? But <laughs> listen, he's here's the thing with Zach Cassian. He's on pace for a career year. He's literally one point shy of a career year of career year in points. He has 28 points. He had 29 in 1314 with Vancouver. He's never how he's surpassed 20 points four times. And he's been in the league since he was 21. What makes you think that he's going to do this again. Oh, well, I mean, uh, you know, he's he's tearing his career around. I mean, you know, he's drafted by the Sabres. I will do it. You know, he was a Canuck, um, you know, all this stuff. And, oh, wait, yeah, he plays with Connor McDavid. That is the only reason he has 28 points <laughs> like right now. <laughs> you'd think that if I'm McDavid... I would take a max deal because let's be honest, it's paying for my uh, my line mate salaries as well. Yeah, yeah, it, it, it's ridiculous to think that this is what they're going to do, that they're going to bring him in, and I don't understand why. Like, I don't know why you'd sign him to four years at three and three and a half, or even like the low end is three point two five. Does that make okay? How, let me. How about this? How about this? Want to know how easy it is to score with McDavid or get points with McDavid? Didn't he make? Um, he made. I can't remember his name. The first, the guy who was a total bust. Um, they made him I, look. Uh, Niall Yakupov? Yes, 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 yes. No, but more recently, uh, within the last game. The last game? Oh. He's So now that Zach Cassian is injured, I believe he played McDavid, oh. yeah, won Josh Archibald. He scored in uh, the early other game, didn't he? Against uh, Arizona. He had three points. <laughs> <laughs> You're kidding me. He had three points. You know how many games he you know how many points he had before that game? I was about to check. Eight. I'll let you tell. <laughs> Eight. <laughs> That's not even funny. No, it it is. It is. That's uh well, I mean, I'm actually not that shocked he gave them the deal because uh, I just had it up here. Remember, this is the same guy, the same general manager that gave Justin Alblicator a seven-year deal, making four point two five. Oh yeah, I'm not ar- I'm not arguing uh, whether I'm surprised or not, mm-hmm. but you know, you get to a point where why why are you doing this? You know what's the worst part? about that really when you look at um the Oilers and then just how frustrating they are to look at at times tell me they're still tied second in the division because they're being held up by Connor McDavid and Leon Draisaitl 
Let me rephrase that then. Um, instead of saying how frustrating it is, um, it, it makes you marvel how amazing Conor McDavid is, that he is a, put that team on his back and has contended with, you know, the other guys in that division. It's it's insane. They almost, because um, the, the Coyotes game was, uh, I think it was just starting when I got to my hotel in Montreal. So I was watching most of that game. I think it was 5 nothing at one point. And the Coyotes got two quick goals, and um, and uh, Mike Smith had to make a really, really good save. One of his few of his career um, had to make a really, really key save, and just gone the other way. And I think <clears throat> on that same play, the Yotes took a penalty, right? And you think like if they allow that, it's five three. They've just allowed two straight goals in the game. Is almost just falling through their fingers, but you have Connor McDavid who went on to had two goals that night, you know, a bunch of points. So it there's still so many holes with the Oilers. I mean, Zach Cassidy doesn't fill them. It really doesn't. So they have two of the top they have the sorry. They have the top two <laughs> point point getters in the league right now. Connor McDavid with seventy six, Leon Dreisidel with seventy five. What are you gonna do? That's so you want to talk about how many, how they're saving them? That is literally it. Yeah. He's on pace. I can't even imagine what he's on pace for. Who, Connor? Yeah. Uh, imagine what he could do for. One hundred and twenty-seven points. Uh, I think what we made an over/under on one hundred and thirty, didn't we? He could still. I think do it. so. I, he could still do it. I wouldn't even be surprised. Exactly. Yeah. Good for him. I wish. <clears throat> now, since we're talking about record breakers, we Ooh. should talk about rec- we should talk about one player who has passed, according to you, the most overrated hockey player, and is currently tied with Steve Eiserman. All right. Hold on. Hold on a minute. Hold. Let me. Hold on. I'm gonna stop you right there. Uh, first of all, I was hoping you'd make a joke of, didn't we just talk about Solani and like two games later he's passed Lemieux and tied Weiserman? I didn't say Mario was overrated. I just said yeah, he did. Did I? Yeah, he did. Oh uh, well, I mean, I won't be surprised if he comes out and complains about Ovechkin doing it. But yeah, Ovi's. Uh, it's it's amazing. What was it? Eight goals in three games. Eight goals in three games. And we we can all thank Devin Taves for doing a Kuznetsov impression. <laughs> what a fool. That's the one team I wouldn't want to piss off. Like, Alex Ovechkin, you're going to talk yeah. he's all like, What are you doing? We talked about uh, the first time, so I guess that was a couple episodes ago, that we weren't sure. We both think that he's going to break Gretzky's record. Yeah. Yeah, if yeah, if everything goes right, then yeah, I'd say so. Do you, we talked about a couple episodes ago that we didn't know if he was going to get past Mike Gartner this season. Uh, yeah. he, Mike Gartner is seventh and <laughs> has seven hundred and eight goals. Ovechkin has six hundred and ninety-two. <laughs> We're not even at the All Star break, technically. Yeah, he's going to pass Mike Gartner this year. And it's not even going to be funny. I know. I'll, it's, I'll laugh because he's just incredible. You see, he shaved too, so he looks uh, somehow looks a little younger. But I have nothing but respect 
for that we'll guy. We'll see on. what happens. Yeah. Oh, uh, for sure. It feels like every week now. Oh, I made the joke about what Luke Robitaille said. By the way, on that episode last week, I said the great greatest goal scorers in the league. I meant greatest goal scorers like ever, because obviously yeah. Robitaille doesn't play. And instead of doing every two years for a video package, me and you are going to be doing Ovechkin goal passing records every week, it looks like. Oh, for sure. Which is awesome. So I, so I texted you this morning with a certain tweet. I don't know why they do this to me. The NHL.com game of the decade for some reason was the 2013 game game seven Bruins versus the Leafs where the Leafs gave up a three goal three goal lead in basically 10 minutes and then lost in overtime see uh, this is you know what's really funny when you first sent me this I thought this was the Bruins game of the decade and I was like, well, that's weird because they, they won a cup. And I'm like, the game against Montreal in Game 7, you know, any of their finals games. And then I realized, wait a minute, this isn't even the Bruins game of the decade. It's it's the league's? Like, ah, this is – it's such a troll job on Toronto that it's kind of funny. But then you realize just how preposterous it is? I, I don't know. And – and I thought maybe it was the fan vote. The fans were voting. I don't know why anyone, I don't know why they voted for this. But it was chosen by NHL.com and NHL.com international staff members. Do you well, remember? Why? <laughs> well, yes, I, 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 if you're going to ask me if I remember this game, I remember it clearly. I was not going to do that, I promise you. I was going to say, do you remember, like, when we started the show in the summer, the crux of most episodes were their stupid chop Oh, top my lists. God. That's what it is. Those but, were mean, some of the worst lists I've ever seen. Well, I can think of so many other playoff games that are amazing, but it's just... I mean, just it, not that one. It's probably the most memeable game, I'd say, but... Oh, yeah. Yes. Yes, it is. Well, I, I you know, agree with that. One that comes to mind, sorry if you can hear my Rottweiler, I think my neighbors are walking their dogs. Um, a game, a playoff game that always stands out to me, and I'm not going to say a Montreal one because I, I I feel like it's being quite biased, and I was I was at one, was probably game seven between the Blues and the Blackhawks a few years ago when Troy Brower got the game winner when he was like falling down. It was a really intense back and forth game, but... Yeah, I I don't know what else you have to say. I'm, I'm sure you just, you saw this. And it brought back some memories. I tweeted out, just to, <laughs> please remind me again, just in case I forgot. Uh, it's so in etched in my brain. It's kind of scary. And it's going to end this. I have so much to say about the Leafs. Oh. Uh, did you see what I put in the notes for the Leafs? Yeah, I did. I did. I did. Okay. Um, you know how we love to talk about refs? Um, yeah. So we're going to talk about a ref again. But surprisingly, it's not a complaint. It's Wes McCauley was officiating the Calgary Flames against the Ottawa Senators. <laughs> and do you know who happens to play for those teams? 
I would think it's the Kachuk brothers. Oh, you would be correct. You oh. would be correct. Uh, so it happened to be that they were both uh, at on the starting lineup, but they neither of them play center. But I don't know who thought this would be funny or cool. Wes McCauley kicks out both centermen and both of the Kachucks are there to take the draw. He he pulled them in too. Normally yeah. like another player would just skate around, but Wes is just like, no, you two are getting in there. It was hilarious. I don't know how why it was so amusing, but that's uh, fine. I mean, it wasn't like also like they had three. Like, I think it was like three or four luxury boxes full of family members. Oh, okay, yeah. There's four. Wasn't there like forty of the Kachucks there or something oh, like that? Yeah, and you know it for a fact that um, Matthew's the one picking it up with that new deal too. <laughs> oh yeah. Oh yeah. Now, Holly. I thought you didn't like the refs. Um. Okay. No. I. I mean. Hey. The last. I. I hate most fishy officials, but Wes is. Wes is fun. Uh. I. I don't like TJ Luxmore. He's a pretty brutal ref, but uh, yeah. But uh, Wes is cool. So, we gotta get to some bad things. Yeah. And to end the power hour. Dougie Hamilton is out with an injury. Huge injury. Yeah. And it honestly sucks. Pretty much out indefinitely, according to TS, uh, TSN. Uh, he just had surgery. He broke his left fibula oh. during a loss against Columbus. And then he underwent surgery on Friday. It, And I know they're a team... With a whole lot of defensive depth, uh, pretty much, you know, you got Jake Gardner and uh, Trevor Van Reems like kind of on the sidelines. They're just not with working with the team, I guess. But Dougie Hamilton is a huge loss to this team. Having a great year too. Having forty-seven yeah. games. I feel so bad for him. It's it's pretty bad. And it's funny because this isn't the first year that something like this has happened to a defender. Uh, last year, Matt Dumba was on pretty much a career year, and then he broke his hand. Oh, yeah, I remember that. Uh, I think he in a fight. So this isn't the first time something like this has happened. And Hamilton was supposed to go to the All-Star game. Uh, next weekend, but now Jacob Slavin is going, he, who, who everyone talks about, but no one knows. You, you um, sorry, you brought up Matt Dumba. Yeah. Do, do you do you watch inside insider trading often? Uh, I haven't watched it recently. Did they say something about Matt Dumba? So I, it's just I'm making I, this has just come up, so I haven't had time to double check this, but. It felt like in passing, I heard Pierre Lebrun mention that the Wild could test the waters on veteran defenseman Matthew Dumba, and it just—it didn't hit me. I have to—I have to go and find this, but it just 
I'm just being reminded very vividly of hearing it, and it's very crazy to me because it, it's Matt Dumba. But you mentioned that would be it. quite interesting. Yeah, sorry. Say what you were saying. It just it popped into my head, and it was like, uh, please tell me I'm not like overthinking something here. But no, no, I remember hearing that too. I don't remember off the top of my head. I can pull that up quickly. Um, but you could get a whole lot for Matt Dumba. Oh, we uh, yeah. Uh, he's he's on a I I would argue a good contract six years uh, sorry six million for the next four years and he's twenty five and he's right handed which is everything you need term a good deal and right hand like that and who, who what team doesn't want that I it is so Wild are open for business could trade Matt Dumba reported could- by <laughs> sorry go ahead. It says, uh, <clears throat> with that in mind, it doesn't come as much of a surprise that GM Bill Guerin is considering selling off assets at the trade, trade deadline, Darren Dreger of TSN reported. Oh. And that, that includes Matt Dumba. But could so, get it done, Alex? Pardon? But could Kapanen get it done? Oh, my God. No, apparently not. <laughs> Matthews, Tavares, Nylander, and a seventh. Could that get it done? I think you need to throw a condition on seventh. Okay. Okay. <laughs> now, last thing of the power hour before uh, we get to the read of the bye week and our segments. Corey Perry, is he at it again? So I haven't seen this. <laughs> you okay. should watch watch it he kind of goes in uh into the crease the game's already six nothing against the minnesota wild and he kind of gets alex staylock a knee to the head staylock takes off his mask right away and there's a wow he was not a happy camper he was not a happy camper oh that's now oh we know, God. yeah, we know Corey Perry uh, was suspended five games for the incident at the Winter Classic. I I have I haven't seen anything come out of this game uh, from the Department of Player Safety. I don't know if, if anything is going to come out, just because you know it's the Department of Player Safety and whether it was. It could have been stopped or not. What do you think of the of that incident? Oh, he clearly does it, and he acts like nothing happens. It's Corey Perry, right? Um, right. Uh, but you know what? As you're talking about player safety, because Corey Perry's an offender, and I think next time he does something, it's going to be you know probably ten games. I doubt they're going to give him anything because they're going to be scared to do it. And we've seen it before with some guys, especially like what did it take for Tom Wilson to finally get his big push? It probably one of the dirtiest hits we've seen in the past few years. So I, I, he probably should get something, but I don't think he's going to. And I mean, with like the whole Tuka Rask thing the other day, like how he's now out for a bit. Like they should crack down. And you know me, I'm a big goalie advocate, but I mean, like right. you could tell. Um, Staylock wasn't having any of it. Like he, right away, he takes off his helmet and tries to get to him. Too bad there were ten skaters in the way. Yeah, there. There's a whole separate uh, discussion that we could have 
about the Department of Player Safety, and I we've probably had it uh, multiple times. It something needs to change, uh, and and it's gone to the point where it's not even uh, media people or just regular fans complaining. The players are coming out. We saw Matthew Perot come out and and talk about the elbow from Jake Vertan, and we saw Timu Solane uh, come on and say something. Uh, Scotty Upshaw. It's getting to a point where I think the NHL has to look at it and say, come on, uh, this is kind of ridiculous. And something's going to happen, and it's going to be messy. Yeah. And they can do all they want about the about. Okay, we're gonna go to the going back to Edmonton and Calgary. Uh, they can do all they want about showing up to the game and telling them not to do anything. I don't think they care. I no. don't. I think it, they're kind of past that's past the everything that they can do because I don't think anyone cares anymore. I can't wait till there's no. time brawl in Calgary and nothing's done about it. Oh, I know. It's I'm so excited for that game. Not for the action, uh, for the skills, because something is going to happen and they're going to be forced to do something. Oh, yeah. Now, before we get to the segments, what is your read of the bye week? Um, so you know what, like, I almost cheaped out this week, because I, uh, I tell you I'm really, I'm a big fan of an anime, that's manga called One Piece, and I've yeah. started collecting the physical mangas instead of, um, like, uh, the, the online, like, support the official release, right? And I started re-reading some of my favorite arcs in the series, but instead I've, I've actually, I thought, no, I can't do that to you. So, <laughs> um, of course, yeah, I'm, I'm a big OV guy, I'm like David Amber. Um, so mine's from Tariq El-Bashir from The Athletic. Um, hats off to Alex Ovechkin again. Three more goals sent him into a new stratosphere of career achievement. That is, that's pretty good. I went a little bit outside of hockey. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know if you've seen the, seen it on Twitter, uh, Sportsnet started this new i guess youtube series uh it's open in it's called open invitation with steven brunt who i've been listening to he's been on the radio for quite a while a lot of his work is really good and he did his first one i uh, came out last week uh with dana white uh, it's called dana white on how he became the most powerful man in mma and i thought it was very interesting it's not a yeah. it's not a story, but I'm it's not a it's not a written story, but it is quite good. Yeah, I saw it's, the video. It's eighteen minutes. But I I, I know this and Dana White's a, he's an interesting guy. He's, he is. Uh, he's not afraid to brag either. Remember that thing where he, I think it was like a picture with McGregor and Rousey at their peak, and he's like, "I'm here with the the cash cows." <laughs> Yeah, Alex. He's sure very you, smart. You sure you don't Hard. want to put through a pop quiz since you're in the position? I haven't prepared a pop quiz. All right, fair enough. Okay, let's move. Let's move on to our segments. Um, let's start with uh, Gerard Gallant. We talked about him earlier in the episode. We talked about him 
uh, uh, last episode, uh, he was recently fired by the Vegas Golden Knights and is still unemployed. It's uh, pretty much been four or five days at this point. But I want we didn't really tackle this a whole lot last episode. Now, Friedman reported yesterday that he's he does want to get back into coaching quite quickly. Uh, I wanted to kind of get into where does he go next? What's his next coaching job look like? Mm-hmm. Uh, we There's a couple teams that kind of popped into my head uh, just because he has relationships with people in that organization. Uh, the first one I talked about, I actually brought it up last week uh, on Wednesday, was Detroit uh, played with Steve Eiserman. And the second one is Minnesota. Really? With his relationship with Bill Guerin. I and I know we we're, we always talk about Bruce Boudreaux and how he always kind of figures it out. Uh, somehow still has a job in Minnesota, but do you think with Gallant on the market, he Bill Guerin decides to change things up? Uh. You know, I was thinking of some teams, and I'll admit to you that Minnesota wasn't one of them, mainly because I don't really think about Minnesota. Um, But, I mean, you talk about a team that's underachieved, um, and I I mean, like, how much do we really know about how some of those guys might play to a potential? I mean, we know Jason Zuger is amazing, but everyone else... I don't know, you hear about Suter once in a while, but I think if there's a guy who's going to get you to play and, you know, if you really want to change, you know, a, a franchise around with a friendly face and a great motivator, I think Gerard, Gerard Gallant would be a great fit there. I really do. Are there any other teams that pop into your pop? I know you said you had a couple. What are those teams that you'd uh, be interested in? So, you know, at first, the first, I don't know why I keep thinking of this team for, for players to go or GMs or something, but I mean, this team has, you know, their past few co- coaches have been a bit questionable. One couldn't really get them to play and they left them out to dry. They wouldn't play for him. Um, you know, guy ends up in, in Edmonton as a result. Another guy, now that was, of course, Glenn Gullitson. Then they get, you know, all Bill Peters and then. <clears throat> He was not the best of people. And, you know, there's a guy like Johnny Goudreau who, you know, even when he's had a good regular season, never got it done in the playoffs this year, hasn't had the best regular season. And I think a team that could really, really benefit from a guy like Gerard Gallant would be Calgary. I understand Jeff Ward. I haven't, you know, he's had a better stretch as the Flames head coach, but I really think a defined name like Gerard Gallant would do wonders for a Calgary Flames team. And you also look at the team he had in Cal, um, the team he had in Vegas, right? And do you think that suits what he would get in Calgary? You know, I I think to myself, okay, so I because of course um, Vegas played Montreal last night, and I was at the game, and I'm, I'm thinking. <laughs> Now, at the first period, Montreal's getting thrown around by these guys. And all of a sudden, you got Jonathan Marcheseau, who's dips and dandling, shooting all around the, the, the ice. And I think, all right, 
when I think of Calgary, I, a lot of it I do get reminded of the Brian Burke. Mark Giordano's not afraid to go get dirty. Uh, say what you want about Lucic, but they have Lucic. They have Zach Ronaldo. You know, Sam Bennett, I feel like, is a guy that, oh, you know, he's a coach's, a coach's player. But then they've also got the skill there of, of course, like your Goudreaux, your Monahams, and then Kachuk and Chuck can do, you know, the best of both worlds there. So I think it's a team that Gerard Gallant would, I think he would look at the makeup of that group and think, I think I could really do something with those guys. I really, and he, yeah, really. If you're a Calgary team that feels bad about yourself because you've been underachieving, who better than the guy who turned an island of misfits into Stanley Cup finalists? Right. Yeah, I don't. I wouldn't argue with any of that. Are there any other teams that come to come to mind? I'm looking around, and I won't lie to you, Alex. I think Sheldon Keith has run his course. I'm kidding. Um, of course. What? Um. You, you know oh, what? God. I'm just quickly glancing through here. And a team that I wouldn't be surprised if they think they're still competitive and they try and get another great coach because maybe they're not patient enough with their young guy. Maybe Chicago. You think so? Mainly because I'm looking at every other team besides Minnesota and Calgary. I can't really think of anyone that really comes to mind. I don't know if Chicago. I don't know if Chicago would want to do that because they do have a good young coach. Well, let me ask you, Alex. Does it does it make <clears throat> sense? Yes. Pardon? Well, would it make sense? Yes or no? I don't think it would make sense. Which means the Blackhawks will do it because everything never makes. Over the last few years, they've made some questionable moves. Oh, like, and I don't think I was, and and I don't think a lot of people have been talking about it. Oh, Tavor Taravina is like that itself is just terrible. I mean, Brandon Stock now, Tammy Panarin is underratedly one of the best players in the league right now. Look how good he's been. If you watch any top fifty plays of the month or thingy of the week, you're gonna yeah. see Panarin there. I think the biggest question mark for me is I uh, I understand the uh, I guess I don't really understand the Teravine in one like you had to get rid of Brian Bickle that's the only reason I understand but to bring back Andrew Shaw (laughs) really I'm fine with it. I I don't understand that. I never I, I when the day I saw that trade, it's it just it was very confusing. It it didn't make a whole lot of sense as to why you're bringing him back. You you're giving up dr- team. It's just like Duncan Keith is a ghost. Why would you get only Mana? Connor Murphy is a complete downgrade. Eric Gustafson's probably gone. I mean, you feel bad because Debrin Cat's not having a great year, but then it's so frustrating that they can't get this together because they find guys like Dominic Kubalik who's fantastic, and of course, like, like Patrick Kane's so good. Like, figure it out. So, you know who's not going to be their general manager? Uh, you think Bowman's gone? I think if you're going to do a rebuild, you can't have him. You cannot have him there. 
I you know who it I think should be it makes rebuilt? it's this it who former Blackhawks assistant general manager Mark Bergevin. Well, that's the point. I actually, since you brought him up, it's the same reason why I say if Montreal wants to do a, f- a proper full rebuild, because I'd argue what they're doing right now is a retool. You have to get rid of Mark Bergevin. Yes. Now, speaking of Chicago, since or before, are there any other teams other than Chicago that you think Gallant will would be interested in Gallant? Uh, like you said, Detroit, but um, but again, does he really want to deal with that mess? But beside that, I think everyone else is happy with who they have behind the bench. Do you think Seattle calls him? Uh, I, I think they do. The only problem is if you're Gerard Gallant, um, <clears throat> you really want to go. Like, do you, If he wants to get into coaching right away, I mean, Seattle's not going to be here for another few seasons. So I... Um, you know, any other time I'd say yes, but just with his situation where he wants to be, I just don't see it happening. Okay. Well, since we were talking about Chicago, let's get to our segment on the Chicago Blackhawks. Now, we know the Leafs played the Chicago Blackhawks last night. That's a whole separate incident. But uh, that's one of the reasons I actually wanted to talk about it because it kind of got me thinking. Uh, they announced Corey Crawford was going to start last night. Uh, and I'm. I'm thinking they have Robin Leonard, and it is past January 1st. Now, CJ, uh, Chris, sorry, Chris Johnson last night brought up during headlines and kind of went along the lines of that uh, Robin Leonard wants to get paid fairly. Uh, you know, he's been, this is his second year in a row on a one year deal. Uh, obviously, he had some some issues that he's dealt with uh, personally. Uh, We saw him really have a bounce back year last year. Uh, Then he continued into this year, still has a save percentage over 920. I think we're finally seeing what Robin Leonard was destined to be uh, when he was drafted. Mm -hmm. What does Chicago do with these two goalies? You know what's really weird, Alex, uh, that the fact that Crawford started last night is he also started the game against Montreal. Now, that's his hometown. He's a god against the Habs. It's unreal. But it's very weird to me that at the same time where Leonard doesn't get the start in Toronto, which you know he hates the Leafs from when he was a Sabre, that these comments come out. That's not a coincidence. Um, also, I have a really big – I have a lot of time – if I'm ever lucky enough to fully break into the sports media industry, I will always have time for Robin Leonard because, you know, Alex, on my phone, of course, you can do the favorite pictures in that on, on you know, iOS and that. And I have two things I have favorite. I have this old video and I have uh, a screenshot of a tweet. And this tweet is actually a quote from the NHL Awards. And it's, of course, Robin Leonard saying, quote, I'm not ashamed to say I'm mentally ill, but that doesn't mean I'm mentally weak, end quote. That's when he won the Masterton Trophy. Right. Um, you know, it shows how far he's come, and I really do think he deserves to get that fair deal. And if I am him, I don't think <clears throat> it was Blackhawks. And again, like I just said about the whole thing, this comes out around the same time they're in Toronto. If you want to make headlines, you say something when you're in Toronto. I don't know. Yeah, it just there are some red flags I'm seeing there. I, I just I don't think it's gonna go. And Chicago, 
seem to have a thing of loyalty, so I think they're probably going to re-sign Crawford. I really do. And, and there, that's that's another sign of Stan Bowman should not be part of the rebuild. And I get it. It's great to have all like have the gang back together. You know, you got Taze, K, and Kane. You have Duncan Keith. You have Brent Seabrook. Why not have Corey Crawford? It does not. It, it it's he's yes. You know you got uh, Alex DeBrincat. You have uh, Dylan Strome. You got some young guys there, but it it really doesn't make sense for for some of these guys. You have to tear it down. I think it would be best for this team. But as long as you have Taze and Kane, I don't think you can tear it down. I mean, it, it's a big decision. <clears throat> I mean, yeah, you, yeah, you, you think that maybe it's the Jim Rutherford thought of, hey, I try and win as much as I can. Both, you know, both Taves and Kane both have four years at ten point five, but they just haven't done a good enough job. You know, really drafting and developing great players. I mean, they got lucky with Strom. They really did. I'm, I wasn't a future fan of the Yoki Haru deal. They got lucky with Dominic Kubalik. Let's be very honest here. The Kings messed up there. And I don't think... I think they made the wrong moves when it comes to... Like, like say what you want about Yalmerson's injuries. I mean, that was such a mistake. Think of what he could do for that team there. And imagine instead it's... Instead of Oli Mata, you've got like a Gustafsson, Yalmerson type thing with Duncan Keith there too. And maybe if he takes a few steps forward in the past, like next year or two, you have Adam Bogfist there too. And I mean, like, let's be honest there. Maybe if you don't do something as stupid as the Seabrook deal and you don't trade this player for Brandon Saad, you have all the money you need to keep Panarin. And how many steps does that take you towards winning again? I understand why they give these deals because it's very that's what uh, that's the past. Um, you know, you win your cups and then you get your payday. It's kind of what happened there, right? Even with Taze and Kane, yeah. Um, it's it's just hasn't really gone their way. <clears throat> they need to. I think the best thing for them would be to completely tear it down. Does that mean trading Taser Kane? That is an extremely tough decision. You get a lot of. You get a lot. I mean, you get a you, lot at your game. Oh, for sure. I don't know if that's the route they're going to go down, though. I I don't think it is. It it would create a whole lot of controversy in Chicago if they were to completely tear it down. But if they realize the position they're in, a few. Well, let's see. No, I was about to say the position they were in, but let's be honest. They overreacted to Pecorino. The city yeah. of Chicago should hate Pecorino. Well, did they not trade Panarin after that? I believe Was, so. I I'm pretty sure the Sod trade came after that. The Sod for Panarin. That's when everything went downhill. Mm-hmm. It, it 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 didn't look like that. Listen, you, Eric. Like I look at this team, and 
Okay, so you get if if you're set on bringing Corey Crawford back, which I wouldn't be surprised if they are. You can get something for Robin Leonard. You can get something for Eric Gustafson. Uh, I mean, everyone else on their NHL roster uh, is RRFAs. Uh, yeah, Panarin was traded after the sweep, like that that summer. God. Like, they have young players who can come up and play, like, who will eventually be able to come up and play. But I think they're in this weird cap hell. Uh, I guess it's extremely helpful that Seabrook and Dahan. Well, Dahan and Seabrook are both out this year. Seabrook is out next year as well. I guess that's helpful for them. He's probably going uh, for good. Seabrook is probably headed to Arizona. <laughs> Pretty much. I just... I, don't, I think they put themselves in a sticky situation. Oh, yeah. They, uh... They're far from those, uh, you know, dueling cup days with the LA Kings. Because I never understood the Leonard signing the day it happened. Yeah. Because mm-hmm. you, you signed Colin D'Elia, uh... Last year to a three-year extension at one million. So you have a. I can. He's probably. He's twenty-five. Uh, he can. I mean, he had an okay year uh, last year. That like he's still growing into an. I, I'd argue an NHL backup. Um, I don't know why you'd bring in Robin Leonard because Robin Leonard isn't isn't the guy you bring in as a backup. He's a starter or a 1A, 1B. I think at this point he kind of proved himself as he can be your starter. Vesna finalist, Robin Leonard. Yeah. It just didn't make sense. It didn't seem like he was, that was the team he was going to. You know who could really use a Robin Leonard right now? Oh, I guess not anymore, but could have used a Robin Leonard? Would it happen to be the team that is realizing that Mackenzie Blackwood could be a viable option? Uh, oh, yeah, them too. I wasn't thinking about that. Oh, who? Um, I was thinking about Columbus. Oh, yeah, yeah, that's very true. What, be it like pre-realizing that Elvis Bruce Lincoln's is a god? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, can I read you some stats from Dmitry Filipovich? I love nothing more than that man's Twitter. Elvis Merzlingus in his last four games, four wins, three shutouts. <laughs> what? Stopped 134 of 136 shots faced. <laughs> cool. <laughs> I'll let that sink in for a little bit. Remember when we were trying to figure out how to pronounce his name? Merge Lincolns. And now he's a, now he's the second coming of Elvis. <laughs> uh, quickly, quickly before we move on, uh, John Shannon ten minutes ago reported that Justin Williams is returning to the Canes lineup tonight against the New York Islanders. That's huge. With Dougie gone, I'm sure Justin being back is going to be such a big thing for morale for that team. Oh, for sure. Oh, for sure, yeah. Okay, why don't we move on to what everyone's been waiting for? Mm-hmm. 
to talk about Montreal and Toronto. Yeah. Uh, would you like to go first or shall I go first? Uh, um, uh, I'll go first because I feel like yours is going to be the dessert of the podcast. Okay. It's going to be what everyone really likes most about the meal. And But, you know, it may not be the most healthy. <laughs> oh, yeah. Uh, for those for the for the listeners, I put in the notes. Uh, I think I put this in like maybe in the third period of the Leafs game. Fifteen to forty minutes of Alex screaming under the Leafs stuff. So, yeah, um, Ilya Kovalchuk continues to impress as a hab. He's now up to eight goal, eight points in eight games. He got his first goal um, at home last night. Of course, Alex, you were at the Leafs game. I went to the Habs game, and I mean, um, of course, with Vegas being in Max Pacioretty was back. Which means now that it's past his first game, he gets booed whenever he touches the puck. Um, I was part of that, I will not lie. Especially when he got them within one towards the end of the game. But one thing that I'm going to give Habs fans crap for was during the American National Anthem, the, the cameras made a very big mistake of putting the camera on Pacioretty during the anthem. And the crowd started booing during the anthem, which is very not cool. Um, thank God Alexander Sylvest, who's the normal new anthem guy for the Habs, did not miss a beat. And I'm sure he understood, but um, not cool by Habs fans. Once the game gets going, boo him all you want. That's when I started. And Max Patrick is one of my favorite Habs of all time. But, um, but yeah, that wasn't... Uh, I, w- I had this kid n- sitting next to me. It was his birthday. And uh, he was not a big Pacioretty fan. He told me some stuff, but of course, like this is just some random guy I've never met, so I'm not going to repeat them here. But just some stories that would probably lower someone's opinion of Max Pacioretty. But it was a very frustrating game because the Habs are up 3 nothing, And then Vegas tied it up 4-4 with 7.5 seconds left to go. The Habs were terribly defensively. And don't let the stats fool you. Carey Price was continues to be fabulous in 2020. Um, the moment in one of my HFRs when I said that he, you know, we got a lower expectation of him, he just shuts me up and has been fantastic. Uh, and did you see Carey Price celebrating after the shootout win yesterday? No, I didn't. He was jumping. He was so. I've never seen Carey Price celebrate that much. It was, and like oh, like Kaylee Kovalchuk, man. It's like I wouldn't be surprised if they traded him and he comes back. Like they re-sign him, like uh, like in the summer, he's been he's been good. Oh, but uh, one thing I should kind of mention here, um, that this is from Renaud Lavoie. Jonathan Drew, this is heartbreaking, by the way. Jonathan Drew won't be back after the All Star game. It's too early to know exactly when he will be back. Still, some work to do on his wrist. Super Bowl weekend? Question mark. End quote from Renaud Lavoie. So. Um, when it comes to Byron and, and Gallagher, it's still hoping they'll be back for the All-Star game. But Jonathan Drew, unfortunately, seems to be some setbacks, which sucks. But Did you see Yesberry Kukinemi's fight? Yes, I did. I thought that was quite funny. The quote, at least. I... Of what? His, how his grandma doesn't want him to fight again? Yes. Yes. But- that was hilarious. He's a, like he's six two. If he fills out, like he's a, I wouldn't mess with him. He's too sweet. But Victor Mete put this really funny picture last night after the McGregor fight, and he just puts a picture of McGregor flexing versus, and he had a picture of Cowboy, but KK's face over it. Poll <laughs> who would win, and eighty one percent said KK would. And yeah, like there was a, a post game, um, like after the game. 
some of the media guys were getting what like KK was walking past them um, for something, and Shea Weber just yelled, "Watch out! There's a killer coming through!" So <laughs> everyone's calling him like there were uh, people. Who, I had a really good section last night, and they were yelling like "killer" whenever he had the puck. So uh, yeah, he's a he's a little, uh, he's a he's a killer. Is Jesperi Kotkaniemi? Frustrating week for the Hads. Big win versus the Flyers and all that. Terrible loss yeah. to the Blackhawks, but. Yeah. Are are you missing someone? Uh, did someone I? score? Did someone score last night? Okay, so this is really really annoying actually. So I recorded a video of of course Michelle Lacroix announcing who got Montreal's third goal, and so I love this player because I've met him. He's the nicest guy in the world. They got him from Calgary. But I wake up today with a massive headache because I was so excited at the game. And I check the scores again to double check all this stuff. And they changed the goal to be tipped by Yoel Armia. No. Brett Kulak Kulak was screwed of his first goal of the year last night. And I, oh. I have not moved I was so upset. That was supposed to be the name of the episode. Yeah. Uh, my tweets. My Whatever. tweets are... I, I still love you, Brett Gulak, though. But uh, of course, yeah. a shame. Uh, yeah. It's okay. You win some, you lose some. So the Habs and the Leafs are on their bye weeks now. So, but Alex, yeah. no. And have, you know what? You know what else they have in common? Um, they're both very frustrating. They're both not in the playoffs right now. So, Alex, I I will take back my host mantle for a second here because it, it, the Toronto Maple Leafs, it was very quiet for a few weeks because they had a massive winning streak. But um, a, a few frustrating games for the Leafs for sure. So why don't you take me through what it's been like the past <sighs> days? There's a, lot, there's a lot to unpack here, so take your time, man. Why don't we start with uh, Georgiev just to yeah. get the whole trade mumbo-jumbo out of the way. Mm-hmm. I'm going to try to stay as calm as possible. Uh, I can't guarantee a whole lot, but I'm going to try. So when it comes to a backup goalie, we've had countless discussions uh, between the two of us on and off the podcast, uh, even with Daniel when he's on the podcast, Ooh. about what Daniel <laughs> but what we gotta do, <laughs> what we gotta do with the Leafs' goaltending situation, uh, we know Freddie's tired. Uh, I mean, he hasn't been uh, himself lately. I'll get to that in a little bit. But Michael Hutchinson, sure, I don't think he's the future for the Leafs' backup position. Um, and. Everyone seems to be talking about Alex Georgiev because that seems like not. I don't know if it's the most realistic, but based on the situation of the Leafs and the situation of the Rangers, it seems the most realistic. So we've talked about the Rangers before. They currently have three goalies. They have Henrik Lundqvist, who has been their franchise uh, for well, since he showed up. Since Yager played on that team. Yeah. Uh, they have Georgiev, who's been a pretty solid backup, uh, considering he's played 60 games in the NHL. And I will... Yeah, 65. I apologize. 65 games. 
and they have Igor Shosturkin, who is supposed to be the future of the of the goaltending position um, for the New York Rangers, who's played two games and has a 9-2-6 save percentage. So the obvious thing is, is both Georgiev and uh, Shosturkin are your future. Lundqvist has this year and next year on the deal, on his current deal. Uh, Shosturkin, yeah, he can be sent down. Uh, at this point, highly unlikely how he's been playing. Uh, Georgiev would have to go through waivers. But apparently, they're going to hold everyone, the Rangers are going to hold everyone hostage uh, until they get a good enough offer for Georgiev. <laughs> and apparently, so everyone was talking about Jeremy Bracco being that guy because remember when we talked about it, uh, they're looking for an almost ready NHL ready or an NHL ready prospect forward uh, forward prospect sorry and Bracco kind of fits that mold to a certain extent but apparently that isn't enticing enough for the Rangers so is it does Johnson or Kapanen work according to Darren Dreger no <laughs> this is this is just a, like I'm not I'm not gonna not gonna kick him kick him not necessarily when he's down I'm not gonna say whether what he's saying is right or wrong because that seemed like it was very his opinion when he brought it up that's just what he's saying I don't know what they're expecting for Georgiev considering they're in a position where they pretty much have to give someone up because they're I find it highly unlikely they're going to hold three goalies for the rest of the year and next year too unless they're going to trade Lundqvist which seems like apparently he'd be fine not finishing his career in New York I was I had read that somewhere I don't know how true that is that's just a heartbreaker that would be a heartbreaker. But, yes, I think Georgiev would essentially solve your uh, your backup goalie, p- dealing with your backup goalie, and potentially be uh, f- for after when Freddie re- doesn't resign, if that's the case, which everyone's saying he's not going to resign because he's going to be asking for too much money. So I don't know what... Uh, the Rangers are going, to, are going to do with Georgiev. I really think they're in no position, in very little position, to make such high demands. But apparently, they are in this position to make like crazy high demands that Janssen, Kapanen, and Bracco aren't enough. Can I ask you one thing on the Georgiev note? Yeah. Yeah. Do you think all of this has gotten a bit worse than it already is because it was Darren Dreger who said that Kapanen probably wouldn't be enough? I don't think it's gotten worse. I think we've had how many? We've had countless, uh, multiple discussions about uh, the Ranger situation in Georgiev. Sure, I think the fact that he said Kapanen wasn't enough uh, made it, the situation a little bit worse, especially on on Twitter. But I think uh, between the two of us, I think 
my opinion on what the Rangers should do or what the Rangers will have to do really hasn't changed mm-hmm. considering they still have three goalies and uh, the Henrik Lundqvist hasn't, isn't uh, going anywhere. That is fair. All right. Now, let's just big save Dave. Big save that Dave. Guy, that game was an interesting game. I thought that game for the Leafs uh went quite well. Uh I mean they I, I know they lost in shootout, but I think for most of the game they played quite well. I didn't have a whole lot of complaints. But he I think he was outstanding. He was big save Dave. Making making saves left, right and center. Absolutely. Just killing it. That's all I have to say about Calgary. Now, let's get to the game against Chicago, which I've been dying to talk about. First off, let's start with the happy thing. Timothy Lilligren made his NHL debut last night. Yay! Congratulations! Which which I thought was incredible. Uh, he started... The, the, he was their seventh defenseman. The Leafs actually played with seven defensemen last night, uh, which I don't remember the last time I've ever seen that happen with the Leafs. But it, it was quite incredible. Uh, I thought it was... I mean, he had an okay uh, debut. Uh, the first period, I didn't really see him a whole lot. Or I didn't notice him a whole lot, but the second and third I did. I was actually looking out for looking for him. I did play quite a bit with Sandine, which I was really excited to see uh, because you know we've talked about it before. Him and Sandine played a whole lot in the AHL, especially under Sheldon Keefe, and I thought he looked good with uh, with Lilligren. Other than that, the rest of the game was kind of. Uh, kind of a complete mess. Uh, they were trapped in their whole in their own zone a whole lot. Uh, even when they like they couldn't break out, it it really didn't look good. I think the fact that they don't have Muzzin and Riley was a is is a huge loss. Uh, considering they they're not in a playoff spot right now, I'm hoping Muzzin comes back. I, I'm pretty sure he's going to be back after the break, after the All-Star break. We haven't really been updated a whole lot. Uh, there, It was pretty much, I thought, I read that he was coming back after the break, but we haven't heard much about that. They are sitting uh, in, let me see. They sit fourth in the Atlantic Division, uh, tied technically for third. But Florida has two games in hand. So that's a little bit tricky when it comes to that. But the good thing, it's not really that good when it comes to the Leafs, for the Leafs, is that there's a a six-point gap between them and Buffalo, who is behind them in the division and who's behind them in the wildcard spot. So that's that's the only I guess positive lookout is that 
they just need to keep up with the teams in front of them. There's not a whole lot to worry about behind them. Uh, with Buffalo and Montreal, I guess you'd we'd be worried about the most. And the Rangers, sorry. And the Rangers. Well, the Blue Jackets. Oh, sorry, if you mean for the but second the bl- card spot. For the wild card spot, just in general. They're okay. Buffalo, Montreal, and New York are all behind Okay. in the wild card. Now, yes, I think... Uh, I saw a tweet from Faisal Kamisa last night uh, after the game, basically talking about Freddie. When Freddie was pulled uh, in two games, I know one against the Oilers, Sheldon Keefe came out and said, I didn't want to play Freddie in front of that because like, the defense was just more than awful. But... Last night, he didn't pull Freddie, which I thought was quite interesting, um, which kind of showed that, hey, listen, like this one's on you, uh, that that one is this game is on you, Freddie. Got to you, you, you have to figure figure it out, uh, which we wasn't hadn't seemed like the case this year that he's been pretty good. He had a really good October, was pretty good up until the end of 2019 and the start of 2020. I expect him to pick it up. I mean, you look at years past, we've talked about this before, is that Freddie has has this weird month and then picks it back up again. Mm-hmm. I th- I expect him to pick it back up. I mean, he could be he could be injured, which a lot of people are claiming he's injured. Um, I don't know if that's necessarily the case. I think he's just having a bad month, and last night was probably one of his worst games. Talk there to were, me about the Bronx cheer, because I know you were at the game, and we've talked about those cheers before. It's you know what the thing was is I sent you a text last night. And I don't think it's just the Bronx cheer, though. That I, I left that game. I was kind of pissed off. I mean, obviously, they lost 6-2. Um, it, it really wasn't a good game from that point. But the listen, I, we're going to get – I'm going to get into a whole lot about the fans. Hear me out. I'm not remember when Jake Gar- – remember when Jake Gardner was – booed in Toronto and everyone got into a whole debate about whether you have the right to boo a player. Yeah. I'm not arguing whether you have a right to boo them or not. I, I You can do whatever the hell you want within the rules that the venue sets up. And booing is within the re- within the rules and regulations. You let you go to the game, you listen to them give the give the show the video. You can boo. I'm not talking about whether you have the right to boo or not. The fact that you're booing your own players makes absolutely zero sense. So let me start with number one. Sure, we'll start with Freddie Anderson because there was multiple, multiple situations that got on my nerves. Listen, there's two there's multiple types of fans at the game. There's obviously the ones who are extremely junk, drunk making funny comments. I had a guy two seats next to me. 
uh, it was like 6-2 and there's two minutes left in the game and he's making a joke that Chicago does should Chicago thinks they're going to win um, the Leafs are going to come back like as a joke fine that's fine Nylander makes a mistake. Oh man, I don't know why we're paying them paying him six point nine million dollars. Marner makes a mistake. Oh, I don't know why we're paying him eleven million dollars. Are you kidding me? Like it, it, it doesn't make it, it. It thinking about it, it doesn't make sense. And I know you. I know where you, especially with Carey Price, you hear a whole lot. We've had this. We've talked about it before, in the Bronx cheer. I don't understand why. Listen, they're your team. Last night, you you want you want to know how crazy this is? Okay, you know what? What's the one thing everyone says about the Leafs? Um, that they are they they try their best to score their way out of trouble. Their their fans no, are crazy. They, no, no. Uh, they need to be more tough and throw hits. Oh, okay. So, Janssen goes for a hit. It doesn't really go well. He kind of misses. Guy beside me, man, that was stupid. <laughs> Are you kidding me? Is it? Is this a joke? Is like you are asking for him to throw a hit, but. When he throws the hit, it's stupid. Is I, I don't I don't understand if if you're just it doesn't make sense to me why you number one it sure you can boo your own players. It doesn't make any sense to me. It it, it doesn't make any sense to me. They're your uh, apparently they're on your team. They're That's on your team. The, the team, team you root for. The team, yeah. Be, and then and and then they wonder, they claim that, oh, no one wants to come here. Everyone says they, they don't want to come here. And then you're confused. You every uh, they you do one wrong thing, you hold out for a day. And you're the enemy of the city. You tell me why you would would want to come here. I can think of one reason why you would want to come here because you're going to make a whole crap ton of money with advertising. Yeah. But uh, everyone's confused. No one knows what's going on. It just it got on my nerves. It it pissed me off so much. How you can and, and then they're they're making Anderson makes a save and everyone's oh he made a save man this guy has literally been sorry but it's true has literally been carrying this team for two and a half years he's mentally or more than two and a half years pretty much since he got here um he's literally been carrying this team since he got here he is a <laughs> mentally tired. This this week off, I think, is probably the best thing for him mentally. Mm-hmm. He's going to go play golf at Augusta with uh, Muzzin Kapanen. And I don't, there was one more player. 
this is this is what exactly what he needs. And that's all I have to say. All right. That's all I have to say. I was so upset. I mean, well, the game was upsetting too, obviously, but I'm sure the the train, the subway home was pretty was pretty somber. Yeah, uh, yeah. Was the weather as bad here after the game as it was in Montreal, or had it cleared up by then? Uh, it kind of cleared up, but it was still bad. Like yeah. not all the road, no, some of the roads were still not good. There's nothing like drunk, upset fans slipping all over. Oh, yeah. It was happening Quite fun. too. All right, Alex. Is that everything? Yes. Sweet. Well, then, Alex, do you know what I think the people listening to this should do? I think they should, wherever they're listening, they should uh, rate it. They should subscribe to the podcast. They should go check out the Instagram page. Give that a follow. Go to the YouTube page. Give that a follow. And share it with your friends and family. If you know anyone who likes hockey, this is the podcast to listen to. Not those professionals. Us. Oh, damn it. And check out Adam's YouTube page. Hey. The link, all the links are in the description down below. And tweet at Brett Kulak that you love him. Not as much as that I want. That too.